Yeah. You want to do an intro or something like that? Nah, just start talk. start talking. Okay. Yeah, screw cool. it. Yeah, I mean, we can just right, get right into it. I mean, I think, I think what's been interesting, just sort of, so real quick before we even get started. So you had a conversation right. with Joe Justice. Let's make sure we plug that because that's going to be yeah. coming out here pretty soon, right? I'm guessing it's, in the next few days. It's actually rendering in the background right now. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was really interesting about that is that um, I had a guest on my on my channel not too long ago was asking me about the the digital self management stuff. Um, right. you know, they were asking me because, uh, you know, it, it's something that Tesla obviously uses in some form in, 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 in different parts of the company. And so I'm very excited to see your conversation with him and, and see what you guys chatted about. Right. Cause I'm sure you guys went into yeah, big detail it was, with that. It was a lot of revelations. In fact, about stuff that like actually had to do with my own little baby company. And I didn't even realize it as we were talking, you could see the light bulb going off in my head, like, Oh, Oh crap. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm, anyway, I'm super thrilled cool. to, to hear that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let me, uh, let, let's start with, uh, did you get a chance to see the all in podcast with Elon? I did. I did. Yeah. I watched that. I was, I was super tired last night and not feeling very motivated to do anything. So I just watched that, Yeah. <laughs> which was fantastic. Cause my brain was getting fed. Yeah. So. What'd you think? Uh, I, uh, I just actually did a video on that this morning, a little okay. tiny piece of it. Uh, it's about 16 minutes and 50 seconds into that thing. He starts talking about, uh, full self-driving AI, uh, the, the, the million people they're planning on having using FSD beta by the end of the year, which was like, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, I thought that stuff was amazing that his whole conversation at the beginning about Twitter was really revealing. I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have whichever side of the political spectrum or blah, 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 you're on. It seems like people have a, a, an unfortunate lack of understanding about where he's coming from mm -hmm. with, with the Twitter deal. Um, you know, but, but I mean, I, it was just a fascinating, it, it was really funny watching all the people. Cause you know, you got like Chamath and, and Jason, and he was talking yeah. quite a bit, but you know, they were like sitting there trying to get a word in edgewise. And it was like, nah, Elon's <laughs> on the roll today, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, I just love how comfortable he was. You can tell that he was just really, like once you put him in a forum with people he knows and is comfortable with, like you can really see his true self come come through. Whereas I think in other settings, which I completely understand, he might have some nerves or is like very reserved and right. su super like calculated about what he wants to say. But with this yeah. one, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt and I were talking about this earlier. It's just off the cuff, whatever comes first, you know, out, you know, he's not like sitting down and like pondering the existence of the universe while he's, exactly. <laughs> while he's formulating well, I mean, an answer. You can see that uh, recently he did the interview with Tim Dodd, the everyday astronaut at SpaceX yeah. also. Love how conversational it was. And you could see him just thinking. And then as a contrast, the Financial Times interview where they kind of asked the same, you know, not to not anything against them, but they asked the same old questions that everybody always asks. And you could see him getting almost a little bit frustrated. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've asked and answered this so many times, you know. So I thought the all in podcast was so much better because you could tell that they were, you know, they were old friends and uh, and so they didn't have to ask all the dumb questions that everybody else has already asked. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Whole, I, I agree a hundred percent there. I so the one comment um, about the Twitter stuff you made is that a lot of people don't don't really see where he's coming from with that whole acquisition. So what where do you think he's coming from? I'm, I, I'd be curious to pick your brain on that a little bit. I, I I mean I think we just take him at face value when he says that he wants free speech at any cost. He really means that. Now the danger of that is, and I'm a little more cynical than him, I guess, by nature. Hmm. I don't know that there's a really good way of getting free speech. Without, I just feel like people manipulate free speech a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, but you know, I, if anybody can solve it, it'll be him, but I honestly think that's where he's coming from. So 
when you have people you know on one side of the political spectrum saying oh he's favoring this other side and then the other side saying like he's favoring the other side and i i he he says it you know he says if somebody you don't like can say something you don't like and it doesn't get blocked that's free speech you know he's like that's the basis of the whole thing and i i think we should take him at his word do you think it's a do you think it's a do you think you'll have a positive outcome at the end of it? Or are you in the camp that this is going to be more, more messy than he thinks he's getting himself into? How do you view that? Oh, I, <laughs> I'm sure it's more messy than he thinks it's going to be. But at the same time, I'm pretty convinced that anything, I mean, have you ever started any project where it went easier than you thought it was Never. Going to? <laughs> <Right>? so, <laughs> if that was know. the case, we'd have a billion businesses, you know? Like, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, everything's yeah. always harder than you think it's going to be. Um, but the, the real question at the end is whether he can handle it. I, I mean, there's a little piece of me that thinks that with this whole bot thing that he's worried about, about that and whether the terms of the deal are adequate or not. Um, yeah. I have no way of knowing from the outside. You know, he said you should take a random sampling of a hundred of your followers. And I'm like, well, that's great. But what in the world would I, I don't even know how I would like figure out if they're bots or not. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah the way yeah. I think about it is, and I made a video about this, I think yesterday, was it yesterday? Like the days yeah, you blend so much. Yeah, you music in it. I that's right. It. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. dude, his stuff so, is good. So let me ask everybody. you that. Yeah, yeah your <laughs> yeah, intro song, your intro song is that his music as well? Oh, where'd you go? Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Uh, hold on. No problem. Oh, man. I just like totally lost. Let's we lost see. you. Yeah, that is so weird. Um, <laughs> so I can working. hear you, but your camera is Yeah, at... yeah. Just a sec. Hold on. It just like... Oh, oh my God. Oh, that is cool. <laughs> Dude, can we keep it like that? <laughs> <laughs> you totally keep it like that. Let me try to go back. I'm not editing like, this out. This is dope. <laughs> There we go. Okay, I think it's back to being fixed again. That's wow, so that funny. Wow, I don't know what that was. You were so, like in Bizarro World there for a hot second. <laughs> that was really weird. Yeah. I think for some reason the whole thing just glitched. Of yeah. course, as soon as I started. Um, so, sorry to back up just a second. Sorry no about that. But but my son, um, he's he's a musician and he's a recording engineer and actually just finishing. He's all been self taught, but he's finally taken a. Um, a class that was or a, a, a course of study, I guess it's, it was like six months long. Mm -hmm. And so he's graduating on Friday, which is really cool. That's awesome. And, and yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> like I do an awful lot of sound work. Um, I'm a recording engineer, sound designer and stuff like that. But I mean, mm. he's using like mixing boards and old analog decks and stuff that I'm wow. like, Whoa, <laughs> it looks even scary to me. So I'm like, go him. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome very, very, congrats to him yeah that's yeah, great yeah, i really like his stuff I, I really do like his stuff the the one um the song i featured of his was a free for profit i think was the name of it um right yeah and, and it was oh, I awesome think that's just i don't know if that's the anyway i think it's just free for profit in terms of that but whatever anyway yeah the, oh, it's, it's not the he, it's not the name of the song i think the song is something else but he was saying you're allowed to use it for profit so oh. but maybe that's the name of the song i don't know he releases a lot of songs so okay <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i was gonna ask the intro song of your videos is that something he made or is that something you made yeah so i used to when i started this channel it had uh, that's Box Brandenburg Concerto number three, the opening movement, I believe. Mm. And so I used to have the actual recording of that. But then I was like, hey, can you give me like a, you know, trap sort of beat of that or something like that? And so he he whipped that up in like 15 minutes. So it was very, very cool. That's so cool. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. The, so the, the video where we feature his song, the AI safety angle. So I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that too, because obviously you, you have, you have experience in AI and it's, you know, you're obviously very embedded in the Tesla world and the Elon world. So, so my thought process is, is that even though in, in a public setting, he's communicating it as a, as, as a free speech sort of angle, which, I, you know, obviously it is as well, but I wonder if that is the non-abstract way of Elon trying to get buy-in from the public to do something like this to ensure that his teams have exposure to uh, potentially a uh, sort of a platform that could um, be one of the examples of what could go wrong if AI really takes over and really increases the division and the and the breakdown of discourse in this country. How right. Am I thinking too far in advance? with that am i not thinking about it no, correctly i'm no. curious to hear your thoughts i actually thought that was brilliant your, i thought your video was it was really really thought-provoking and i i, I appreciated watching i appreciate it. that thank you uh it it's one of those things like i guess i'm reminded and i can't remember the name of the particular chat bot but microsoft released it several years ago it wasn't cortona but it was something like that gpt and it, it was, was a chat bot and it just went out into the internet world and it became like some sort of like neo-Nazi crazy thing, like after a couple of days. And then they took it offline and they fixed it and they put it back online and the same exact thing happened to it again. So, you know, that's the kind of, that's, it's like super siloing, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's like these things can get trained in the wrong way. And so I think that there's a lot of Elon, uh, was it, I think it was in the all in thing when he said, like, I've just sort of given up. Was that it or was I? Gosh, I, I know he so talked many... about it. He talked about it on the uh, Joe Rogan experience. Like the first Joe time he Rogan was on Joe Rogan. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, thank you. And yeah. so he said, you know, I've just sort of like given up. I used to try to like tell people to be careful about it. And now I've sort of, but I think he hasn't really given up. I think he's trying to get there first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Yeah, sorry. It was actually your video that was the, the first yeah, part good. of it that had the Joe Rogan thing. No problem. <laughs> I just, I've watched so many videos the last couple of days that my brain is like, <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, so I think that, I think, I think you might be right. I think it might be one of those things where what he's doing is he's trying to drive the train, right? He like, he knows this thing is going and he's like, well, I better get in charge and try to like get it the right direction. Um, <laughs> the future will tell us whether, whether that's the right choice or not, but I right. applaud him for at least making an attempt. And you're probably right. You know, it is probably something like under the hood that he's working on. And that may ex also explain why he's willing to spend $44 billion or thereabouts to purchase an already existing platform rather than just make one himself. Cause I mean, you have to think for a billion dollars and a bunch of smart engineers, he could create his own social media platform. That would be, you know, whiteboard start from scratch make it much better from the get-go and so the the big sort of meta question is why in the world spend all this money on twitter when you could do it yourself for so much cheaper yeah <laughs> i mean you know a billion dollars is probably excessive but probably half a billion dollars you could do it very easily so yeah um so you know but the fact is they've already got all of these people on there right now and so it's an excellent training ground um to try to figure out how to maybe navigate this whole thing, because I think you're right. I mean, social media has definitely made us all, we just get to hear what we want, whether, whether or not we even want to, right. You know, the, the algorithm on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and whatever feeds me what I want to see. It kind of knows. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a almost like a reflection of the the human condition, right? Is as humans tend to be very uh, 
tribal, very um, almost set in their ways that they they want to hear what they like to hear. Uncomfortable in situations where they're where they're um, the way they think is being questioned or being challenged. You know, uh, it's it's almost like. Oh man, it, this is where like I want to think about it like hurts my brain because we're <laughs> almost asking in this situation for AI to behave in a way that is not human but will somehow benefit the betterment of mankind. But like that will force a lot of very uncomfortable moments potentially because if you really want good discourse and true freedom of speech, that means you're going to have to create an environment where uh, you are constantly exposed to things that you do not want to hear. You know, right. that, that's really the right. only way you do that. But why would you, how would you ever be able to incentivize that if humans by default do not like pain and they don't like to be questioned right. and they don't like to be challenged? How do you do that? You uh, know, and maybe that's like well, a question, you know, obviously it's a very difficult question to answer, but I'm like, that's the question right. I'm asking myself. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that? I, I come at this from an education standpoint since I've been, you know, my entire professional career has been in education. And, uh, but there's a couple of things. Number, the first thing is I always tell my students, I'm like, failure is the best teacher as long as you're willing to learn. And nobody likes to fail. I mean, we really don't. You know, you don't like to go out as a kid and get on the soccer field and suck at it while all these other kids who've been doing it for a while are good, you know. Right. But it motivates you. It's like, oh, man, I'm terrible at this game. So I better get better. And it's the same sort of thing with it being in a class or something. But it goes beyond just like learning a skill. It also goes into exactly what you're saying. You you get exposed to, I don't know, like maybe if you're like really, really fundamentally religious about one religion, but then you take a religious studies class and you're exposed to different ones and you're like, oh, this is painful. This is not what I believe. But ultimately it helps you to reinforce or, you know, come to whatever it is that you discover, you grow that way. So that that pain, that thing that we don't like is exactly what you should be seeking out. Uh, but as you say, we're all, we're all mentally lazy, I guess. It's just nice. If somebody says, yeah, you're the best, this is the right answer. Don't think about it anymore. Everything's cool. You know, yeah. you're like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's like, almost like why that's the reason why Jeff Bezos has a yacht. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's, that's how I think about it. It's like, okay, you have this person who's been working really hard and is obviously brilliant at what he does, but the right. dude still bought a yacht and he still likes to party. You know what I'm right. saying? Like even the hardest working people that theoretically are always focused on things. To, like one, a rare exception is Elon, who's somebody who just seems to be, he's just obsessed with the work, obsessed with the pain of it. I have no idea. I mean, he's talked about what was really interesting about the All In podcast. He said, I have a tendency to, he has a tendency to bite off more than he can chew. And then he ends up looking like a chipmunk, you know, cause he just has way too much, right? And what's really interesting there is I've seen that with my own two eyes many times in my career, where when you have a lot really talented people that have a, a lot of bandwidth, their, their um, default tendency is to say yes to everything because they feel like if they can, they should because they right. can. And then right. before you know it, they are over capacity and then their overall performance comes down. And instead of going at 100% with 80% bandwidth, they're going 50% with 110% bandwidth, right? So it's <laughs> like, it's it, that was that was a very interesting self-aware sort of thing that Elon was, was, was saying there. Right. But then the other really interesting thing he said on that 
uh, podcast was that he again reaffirmed that he hates being CEO. He just he had to be CEO at Tesla because he had to be because right. really what brings him joy is to work on the technical stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like my head there, and I'm almost changing topics here a little bit. I'm sure we'll bring it back to AI at some point, but like where my head goes with that is, so what are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting for? Why don't you just go find a CEO? Like, or, or is, is CEO of Tesla really that unique of a job that you're not able to find somebody that could potentially step in? Have you thought about that at all? Uh, I, yeah, wow, that was a lot of stuff to talk about. Sorry, First dude. First of all, I, just, I, I, I had to laugh. When Elon said he bites off more than he can chew, my, yeah. my parents used to call me chipmunk when I was a kid because I always ate too much. And so I had like, all this stuff in my mouth. So I just That's started still me to up. this day. <laughs> I started laughing when I, cause I was like, well, there was the literal thing with the, with the metaphor. Sure. Um, but the other thing at the end of his talk, he started talking about morally bad decisions about going into Tesla without it just being him and JB. And that, yeah. and I actually just talked about this in a video I did this morning. I was like, it's, the most fascinating thing to hear someone talk about a business decision as a moral decision. We usually think about, you know, like, are you going to do mm. nice things to other people or, or harm them as, as moral decisions? And my mind and what I'm thinking is he thinks about these businesses. And the reason why he overcommits and goes crazy is that in his mind, they're a moral imperative. He's trying to change money with PayPal like the way banking is done. He's trying to change the world to electric vehicles with, with Tesla. He's trying to like, you know, get to Mars, create humanity 2.0 with, with, with uh, SpaceX and, and on and on in Neuralink and boring company. So in my, I guess it was a huge revelation. I was like, oh my gosh, in his mind, business and morality are the same thing. If you do the right business, it's not like I'm making a new tchotchke for you. It's like, oh, cool. yeah. here's a new little keychain or something. It's like, wow. Uh, which is great, you know, make money on that if you want to. But that's, I think Elon thinks about business as moral as, and that's a wild combination. It really is, especially in a world, you know, lately, you know, with some of the political discourses that, cor you know, corporations are evil, you know, like we're, we're in a place where corporations do nothing but in the, in if, well, not even when left unchecked at a certain size, they become inherently evil in some respects, right. you know, and I'm not saying evil companies don't exist. They absolutely do exist. But, you know, painting a brush that says every single company that reaches a certain size becomes evil is like, I got it. But like, you're so right. And I, and I didn't think about that until literally you just said it which was brilliant thank you for bringing that up because it's it really again speaks to sort of the existential nature of how elon perceives everything he does everything he does yeah. and companies like tesla spacex Neuralink, you know when, when you really think about them the common thing they have is that every single one of them are created to um to address an existential thing about humanity and civilization and something that has to get done at the core it's almost like um you know it, it's a first principles approach to business is like how do we yeah. how do we create yeah. companies that have the largest positive impact to humanity and and he's talked about this before too but it's like it's a complete focus on that but it's so interesting and, and it's such a weird dichotomy and I, and I wonder if if maybe his um like I wonder if that narrative will ever change you know in society because right now we're in that at least I don't know if you hear this in your circles or at least the exposure that you get to you know the the general discourse especially in the United States is you know big companies bad big companies bad you know and that's what I'm hearing I wonder if like this is maybe now the transitional period where it's like not all big companies bad you know at least we'll change <laughs> like not all big companies well, bad some big companies good yeah you know? it's that lazy thinking again yeah it's it's hard because otherwise 
I think about it like, oh, man, it's kind of a strange thing. But like you drive down the road and you see trees. You don't go like, ooh, cool individual tree. Ooh, cool individual. Because it's a shortcut in your mind. You'd go uh. crazy if you looked at every single tree. And so in our mind, many, many large companies, all bad. And, and it's just so much easier to just think that. It's like a shortcut. And it costs a lot of mental energy to think about, oh, yeah, but wait, not all of them, not all of them are bad or even the same kind of bad or, you know, some are polluting. Other ones just maybe are like using your data in a bad way and or not just, but, you know, so there's yeah. like different kinds of bad things they can do. Uh, and, and also it was kind of funny. I was like, so where is the cutoff then? Because like everybody loves small businesses. It's like, oh, you know, so-and-so and, and her mom put together this Etsy business and that's fantastic. But like at some point, if they get big enough, they're like, oh, evil corporation. Yeah. So, <laughs> Employee 1001 is exactly. like the cutoff, yeah, it's right? Like <laughs> up to a thousand, you're good. And then it's like, <laughs> you're a bad corporation. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating, man. It's, 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 it's really fascinating. And I think it's the, the yeah it's, it's i think i think it's just a pure it's almost like a childish approach and i mean this in the best way possible like a pure yeah. it's a very pure approach to what makes a business uh what could, what can make a business good is like if, if the business is pure in its intentions to release products and services that are good for humanity and they treat their employees fairly and they treat their customers fairly and they try their absolute best you know it's a representation right. of what can be a really good thing for for society is when you have a company like that absolutely right. fascinating yeah it, it was such a it was such a such a great discussion there was one thing um I, well, obviously, they talked about FSD beta, and I'm curious to hear your opinions on this too. Where, you know, they're they're seeing the, um, and I, was this what your video was about this morning? I forget. Uh, what, what it was the, about what the that title little was. section where he talked about FSD beta specifically. Yeah. yeah. So let's get get into that if you don't mind, just for a little bit, because I'm <clears> curious <throat> to pick your your brain. And obviously, if you haven't watched uh, John's video yet, make sure you go watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah the uh, so FSD beta, one million users uh, potentially by the end of the year. How do you think about that within the context of FSD beta users now, and if there needs to be additional releases or uptake uh, from from FSD? Curious to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I I think, and I didn't talk about this so much this morning, but I think it actually ties into the reason why we haven't seen full so uh, FSD beta. 10.12. Unless it's come out today, I've been very busy. It's possible it did, but but as far as I know, it still isn't out. And I don't think I so. I looked back. I looked back in the news, and I think somewhere around early March, it was like it's 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 it was like it's. Uh oh, I think I lost you again, John. Oh man, dude, you were like repeating like ten times over. That was crazy. Sorry, I wonder if my. I wonder if my um, uh, computer is just tired. Let me let me quit this background process and maybe things will go better. No problem. <laughs> I apologize. I'm no, sorry. No, you're good, bro. Listen, you're good. Um, you've done a lot. Of, you've done a lot today. <laughs> All right, there's that. Let me try to switch back and see if this guy. It seems to be the camera. Gosh, anyway. You're right, officially sorry, so... you're officially stronger than a computer. See that? Boom. That's right. You got more computational <laughs> power than a computer. Dr. Know-it-all <laughs> knows it all. He really does. <laughs> so, so, so where were we again? Sorry, that totally threw me off. No, I, no problem I at all. I was like, ah, like <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about uh, full self-driving 1 million uh, users by the end of the year on beta. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, so I, uh, yeah, right. And, and, and just to like circle around that, the, the 10.12 release, 
I think they're starting to treat this a little bit less as a beta and a little bit more as a kind of a wide release. And so they're really trying to work on the QA, the quality assurance to make sure that this thing is really solid as they release it. So I think that's slowing the cadence down significantly. Um, but I was saying, you know, I, I think that what this indicates to me is number one, of course, North America, the US and Canada, they're going to increase the number of people because you've got to go from about 100,000 to a million. But also I have a pretty strong feeling that, that he's talking about including Europe with that as well. Um, hmm. I mean, he has mentioned that before, but that it seems like it seems like that's where it needs to go. Uh, my personal opinion is that China needs to happen very, very quickly too, or else they're going to get lost there because there's a lot of startups in China. But they also might be having significant problems with China in terms of the. Uh, <laughs> there's like a data privacy issue, right? Because yeah. China's like, no, you can't have this stuff going offshore and, and being held, housed in other data centers. So I don't, that, that's a whole other thing. But at the very least, I, it seems to me like Europe is going to be involved in that rollout to a million people. So it was a pretty big surprise. It wasn't that in the All In podcast, but it was pretty recently when he said 100,000 people. I think it was maybe the TED talk or something. He's yeah. been doing a lot of interviews recently. <laughs> he has, yeah. And he's been in a really good mood in all of them, which I yeah. think to me is like another sort of uh, data point I think we can use that says, hey, things are going pretty well. You know, usually, right. especially even during this Twitter stuff, like he's still in a pretty good mood and he's very happy to talk about it in public, obviously, which is very right. interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I actually worry. I worried about that a little yesterday when he was doing that all in podcast. I was like, oh, he's saying an awful lot of stuff that I think I might love get him in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> he gives like, he's given like a sneak peek. Like I've had, I've had the luxury uh, in my previous life before Tesla, I was at a, at, a, at, at, a, at a pretty large company and I was super fortunate to be, I worked very closely with the executive and sort of any of the investing partners. And I got to see a little bit of how the sausage is made with some of these dealings. And right. like, I was watching it like wide eyed. I'm like, dude, like, you're really like, you don't care, bro. Like, you're just like, screw any NDA, <laughs> screw any sort of like, you know, backdoor conversation that needs to happen in order to, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like an innovative, and I don't know if it's, this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it's almost like an innovative way to close a business deal is to just be very public about the hardships right. of the deal-making process to as a leverage point to try and put pressure on the other party to either give you what you're looking for, you know, or or try to move the conversation towards a certain direction. Now, a lot of people would say that's freaking insane because like, where is like the, you know, where is the humanity in this? Like, bro, like this is supposed to be a private dealing. Like, why are you showing everybody how the sausage is made? But maybe, right. you know, if we go back to the sort of like how Elon thinks about business as a moral as a moral necessity in some way, yeah. maybe in his head is like, well, this is a necessary conversation that has to happen in public because it's going to move me closer to being able to achieve something for humanity that's going to be positive based on what I think is positive for humanity, right? right. So that's, I'm trying to like frame mm -hmm. this within how he would think about this. And I'm not excusing the the behavior. I'm just trying to like study right. the, almost like the human behavior of Elon in a way to be like, wow, man, like that's crazy. <laughs> you know? Really, I mean, it really honestly is pretty mind blowing to get that much of an insight into the dealings. And, you know, what is that line? Information is power, right? And so he's yeah. he's removing the Twitter board. And my gosh, uh, the, the CEO yesterday had that big old thread 
yeah. uh, about about how they can't determine the bots. And then Elon responded with a poop emoji. I mean, he exposed himself, by the way, in that thread. I didn't mean to interrupt you. He exposed himself. And I can tell you exactly how. Uh, yeah, he did. He did. Oh, yeah. I think, well, I mean, yeah, there was some circular logic going on for sure. But, yeah. But, you know, but, but I think what Elon is doing is like there is power in holding information. And mm-hmm. what he's doing is he's removing that power. Because by by just saying like here everybody know about and just the fact that the CEO is actually engaging with him on Twitter means that Elon's already won. Yeah, exactly. Because he's talking about it publicly. Uh, so yeah, it's in a weird way. There's a piece of me that feels like he's super naive, but there's another piece of me that's like, man, this guy's like the best business person ever. Yeah. <laughs> because he's working these angles and he's like, everybody find out. Here's what's going on. How's here's how the sausage is made. <laughs> exactly right. I think I think it's the latter. I really do think so because I he, you know, for for you for somebody to be able to get the companies that he has to the, to that level of success, you have to be good at business, man. Like you almost have to be cutthroat in some respects where mm-hmm. you have to completely eliminate emotions and then use the levers that are at your disposal to make stuff happen. You know, it's almost like what is what is the he always talks about like what is the quickest path to your out to the outcome you're looking for, and if right. if and the and the more exposure experience you have, the more levers you have at your disposal, and the more people are following you and watching everything you do, then the more you can leverage those things to to make whatever you want happen. You know, um, back to that back to that uh, Parag Twitter thread. So there was a there was a specific tweet that he had where he said that they uh, catch about half a million over half a million bots per day. Yeah. per day and they ban millions of accounts per week okay right. if you do some right. like simple math on that that's about 71 on the lowest case scenario if you take half right. a million daily <clears throat> and 2 million weekly that's 71 million users essentially per quarter that are mitigated in some way. And that's, right. if, if you compare that to Twitter's total user base, this is not an apples to apples comparison, but just to give you kind right. of a sense of how big this thing is, Twitter's uh, total user base is 230 million users. And right. so that's roughly a little over 30% of uh, the user base every quarter is uh, right. undergoing some sort of limiting of, uh, of I don't know, engagement with the platform at the lowest right. case scenario. So that 5% number, like even even him releasing that data set, I'm like, okay, dude, like on any given quarter, if half a million is 2 million, and for some reason they, come, they, they become really good at bypassing your filters, then right. that number could be 50%. Who knows what that number could be? Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. what really is that 5%? I think it's a very legitimate question, but the implications of Twitter having that number wrong for their ad model is disastrous. It's, well, that's why they don't want to tell yeah, anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, Elon pointed that out because it's not a transactional advertising model on Twitter. It's a brand awareness model. Right. So, I mean, if, oh gosh, I, like, I guess probably like Instagram or something like that is more of a transactional thing. You get an ad and you click on it and they're like, hey, buy a new shirt or something, right? And you, you buy the shirt and therefore they can tell real person spent money, bought the shirt, good deal. Uh, but but Twitter is much more like, hey, check out our brand. We're a cool brand, and and they don't know if if fifty percent of the users are bots. That means that they're just throwing money down the toilet. So yeah, it's huge, absolutely crazy. What what um what what was something that you took away from? Well, we talked about the Twitter stuff a little bit earlier. But what was another yeah. thing that you took away from that conversation that really stood out to you from the All In podcast? Oh my goodness. Um, 
I don't know. I think that the, the morality thing was like a huge thing. The, uh, the, the full self-driving, the, well, him talking about how Tesla is different because the full self-driving came up in the part where I can't remember who it was that asked him, but somebody said, you know, why, what, it, what are all the startups that Tesla is? And Elon was like, Chum you off, want me I to think. talk for the next, yeah, it was, was it? Yeah, 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 I think you're right. I think pretty sure. Uh, but you know, it was funny because Elon was like, oh, let me get started here. You know, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't even get as far as he wanted to. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, he was just talking about like where this startup and this startup and this startup and this startup and this startup, and it's all under the umbrella of Tesla, but it's just amazing. And part of that agile thing that I was talking with Joe about earlier today was sort of by default when you're a tiny little, you know, two, three person company, you're, you're agile by default because you, (laughs) he was saying that he was like, do you look in your bank account and see if you have money to buy this thing or whatever you need? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, so you're agile. It's like, you literally are like, do we have the 50 bucks to buy this piece of equipment? Yes. Okay. Do it. Uh, but you know, at some point as the company grows, when you get to a thousand and one (laughs) people, then you're an evil company, but you know, but you become less and less agile as you do that. And so, um, I think, that the, the the startup mentality, the ability to maintain that agility that the startup has within Tesla, even though you've got a hundred plus thousand employees now, is is remarkable. And I, I mean, I don't know. You tell me about your experience. You're the one who actually worked there. Yeah, I mean, it it, it really it really is mind blowing how how small the company feels at a hundred thousand people. And that, that's been my biggest takeaway is that the autonomy that everybody has, the capability of problem solving your own way, the capability of really moving across orgs in a way that I think is much different than any other corporation, especially of that size, uh, is mind blowing. It's almost like the best way to describe it. And I think I've said this in one of my videos is like, you're, you're giving every single one of those hundred thousand people the keys to run the company and you're telling, and you're trusting them to do so. And you're enabling them to do so. Most corporations, if not every other corporation at that size, their, their primary incentive is to create processes and silos and, and a sort of mechanisms to prevent people from messing up because they do right. not they view the the investment of time to fix people's mess ups as much larger than the benefits that they would get from allowing everybody to partake in in, in creating solutions whereas Tesla is the opposite Tesla's like I'm willing to invest the time it takes to correct potential mistakes because I trust my entire workforce. I'm going to leverage my entire workforce to arrive to solutions. And yes, they will mess up. Yes, they will make errors. Yes, there will be suboptimal solutions at points. But but the, the cream of the crop will, will always shine. The best ideas will come forward. And those are going to be, you know, multiple times better than whatever solution we had previously, especially in an environment where we ask people to not go dramatically outside of their of their bounds. Right. So so it's it's mind it's completely mind blowing and I'm wondering at what point and I, I know this is something Joe has been talking about like I wonder at what point do we do do we get to a point where every company runs like Tesla in a way because I think because if if that was the case if that was the case I feel like humanity would have at least ten times more things and value to to uh to to consume or use or whatever because it's it's such a groundbreaking way of of, of making stuff happen and i think the the other part of it too is that it will also give people 
a much better reason to go to work and, and much more fulfillment right. from the work because you're trusted in those environments. You know, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's completely mind blowing. I, I, I do wonder if you talk about everybody else doing this, I wonder, and, and it would be an interesting experiment because Tesla, SpaceX, et cetera, have the, you know, the pick of the litter. They have the best of the best people. And obviously, however HR hires people, they've got a really good idea of how these people are self-motivated and stuff. But, you know, but th there's a bell curve. <laughs> so True. for every person who's like super motivated, super smart, there's somebody who's really not that motivated, just kind of. So it's like, how many companies could you form like this before you ran out of the people who are going to be willing to work in that circumstance? I don't know, maybe people would kind of step up to it. Maybe what would happen is if you gave people the responsibility, they would they would step up and they'd be like, this is awesome. But but I do worry that there would only be a certain percentage of the population that would be willing to do that. Um, that's a great point. And, and, and I think about that a lot because that's like, is the reason why Tesla has so much great talent, is that because they can get the best talent or is that because they have the environment that allows that talent to come forward? Right. You know, like, like, what is it really? I, I think it's a combination of both, but I think yeah. it's also a mission statement. I think mission statement is the big reason why Tesla, mm. SpaceX, Neuralink, and all these other companies have such a talent and capable workforce is because it's not about right. the product. It's not about the money. I mean, it, it, it is, but you gotta it's, live. <laughs> so, exactly. You know. But it's primarily priority. Number one is the mission. It's the mission. And to your point, how many missions are out there in the world that you can build a company around that's going right. to facilitate the uh, the maximum capability of the people that are working there, right? Um, he, that's a great point. I don't know. I, like, I, I hope it's more than 20%. It's not going to be 100%, yeah. that's for sure. But right, right now, it feels like it's 3%. It's like 3% of the companies yeah. are, yeah. Then well, maybe and, even less. And, and as you were talking about this agility and, and the self-organ, the giving people an amazing amount of responsibility, I think about I've, my entire career, you know, has been in academia at university and yeah. that is the opposite. <laughs> mm. So we've, I've, I was trying to think, I think we have about 25,000 employees at the university of Georgia and I'm not calling them out specifically. I just want to be very clear. Love my dogs. <clears throat> uh, yeah, go dogs, right? <laughs> National champions. Uh, but, 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 you know, so there's, there's that many employees at the, it's, so it's a quarter or less of the size, if you think about it as a company uh, of Tesla. And yet in order to do anything, it takes forever. And, you know, the waterfall system of having a yearly fiscal budget and you run out of money and that's it. And there's no way to change it in the middle. And we, now when we order computers, the computers have to be ordered. So we had to order them last month, so April, and they won't ship the computers until the next April. And we're not allowed to update the computers we ordered. So we're essentially always buying 12 month out of date computers. You know, just the, 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 the and, and I'll go one step further. And that is that the university is very large in terms of the geographical footprint. And the parking system is we have to park in only one parking lot. <clears throat> so, if I want to collaborate with another faculty member, like who's a mile away, that means I have to commit to walking there or taking the bus or, you know, it's yeah, exactly right. It's just like, what in the world? So it's, it's the most, 
siloed, just physically siloed place. You can't go and collaborate with other people. Honestly, the pandemic has been one of the best things that's happened because everybody's gotten used to Zoom meetings now. And so mm. at the very least, I can have conversations with other faculty that, that are on the other side of campus. But, you know, again, I'm not calling out UGA. Yeah, yeah. Really good school. Every other school that I've ever worked at, except for the tiny little California Lutheran University, which is uh, in Thousand Oaks. Uh, but that was because it was tiny. You know, it was mm-hmm. a super small little university. And so it was very easy to walk across campus, to talk to, to people in completely other departments. So it's just... It's not just something about size because clearly Tesla can do it, but there's just all these layers of archeological layers of crap that get layered on top and everyone's afraid of making a mistake. I mean, oh my gosh, yeah. when you try to submit something, I want to get a reimbursement for you know buying something and they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, did you buy this correctly? Did all, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, ah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that that's kind of like, do, do you think that's a that's a academia thing period is that is like is there a way like do you see a path to for for sort of academia to not be like that like is it a sustainable thing where you give more like you just trust your faculty members to do the right thing and you trust well, everybody to do the right thing yeah if Elon Musk happens to be paying attention to this i you know he wants to start this texas institute of technology and science yeah and in my mind i'm like let's talk agile education I think education is an industry that is incredibly ripe for disruption. Yeah. So you heard it here. I haven't even talked about this on my channel yet. So, <laughs> but, so, but so what do you think, think that, that is? What do you think that uh, is? Well, I mean, I have ideas, but they're relative, you know, we need, basically we need to start with a whiteboard and just start writing down stuff, but it's, it's basically what you're talking about. It's giving every, I don't know. I mean, think about it right now. There's faculty. So there's a class system right? There's faculty, ooh, super cool. And there's like levels of faculty between assistant professor. And so, you know, it's very hierarchical and then there's staff and then there's facilities and and there's this huge sort of pyramid. So there's this class structure that's built into universities. And I think, you know, it's nice as a faculty member, it's like, ooh, I'm at the top of the pile. But I think that's one thing, like just what you're saying, like, you know, we, we can do stuff where the person who's um, I, sorry, I was talking with Joe about this, but he was saying like, like the people who are building batteries, when they build the building, they, they can go out and actually put I-beams up and, and like weld them into place. You know, it's like, learn how to do this thing. So one of the things I could think about would be flattening the whole structure out. So it's like, forget about this thing where you've got this class system uh, and have, have, you know, an ability to learn from anybody. If you want to go out and learn how to do plantings from one of the groundskeepers, why couldn't that count as education? That's fantastic knowledge to know. Believe me, my backyard looks like garbage. <laughs> I wish I had that knowledge, you know. You so, and I both. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, so I think one of the things could be sort of flattening it, but also then making it more agile. Like this semester and year concept is incredibly ancient and it has served things. And, and even beyond that, just the basics of, gosh, I'm really getting into this. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> no, you're not. Come on, bro. But, you know, but, you know, you're educating. You're educating. Our ancient, like, British medieval education where it's like you go into a classroom. Everybody writes down the same thing at the same time. You take a test to regurgitate that information back again. And that tells you whether you did well or not. That is not the way the modern world works at all. And it doesn't work on semester systems. If a class needs to take three weeks to get done, that's great. If a class needs to take two and a half years to get done, that's great. 
like that <laughs> needs to have more flexibility built in. Uh, I'm constantly bumping up against the semester system. Yeah. I'm like, boy, I'd really like to be able to do a large scale project with the students, but then there's all of these things you have to go through and who, which faculty member gets the credit for the class and <laughs> yeah yeah so, so you know so we just got to scrap all of that stuff and start with a, with you know first principles just like what is education what do we need out of it in a modern world and how can we best serve the people yeah i i love that like i i was talking literally talking with my wife this morning about this like why i feel like education period at any level needs to be revamped heavily because in the age of the internet you have knowledge, like you have information readily available. And one of the things that I think schools were valuable for before the edge of the internet was exposing you to that information because that stuff was usually in a library or in a book somewhere that uh, was indexed, but like you wouldn't even know how to find that information. You would have to get it with an expert to teach you that information. Now that information is literally a Google search away. Okay. Right. And so why, why have we been so slow to transition to a sort of a system where the school's primary function is to teach you how to think and to teach right. you how to look up the information and to give you the base sort of fundamentals to understand the universe, mathematics, physics, right. maybe economics, right? Like financial education is something that I feel like we're missing tremendously in the school system, which is like yeah. core yeah. to the experience of being a human in, in, in the system that we live in. So what, why do you think it's taking so long? Like, what's the deal? What's going on? <sighs> I think there's sorry there's two, for these big questions. Just, one, no, no, one is just <laughs> one is mental laziness. Again, if it works, it's just easier to roll with it, right? But then the other thing, the other and, and bureaucracy is really good at preserving bureaucracy. Like if you look at the federal government or a state government or any large body, uh, I'm absolutely convinced that any meeting that has more than about five or six people in it is useless. Like it should sure. be scrapped. Uh, because you can't function. Otherwise, it's just an informational thing and you might as well send an email. It's just a show uh, at that point. Yeah, it's just yeah. a show, right? You know, you yeah. do PowerPoint and everybody goes like, eh, nice job. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, when you get three or four people together, you can actually accomplish something. Um, so anyway, but but the levels of bureaucracy that are, are involved, just dude, it's like it's like you're trying to push an aircraft carrier you know, you're just like, mm. <laughs> so it takes a lot of people to push that thing and get it started moving. Uh, so I think that that's there. And then of course there's the monetary aspect. It's like a lot of people make good livings all the way up and down the chain and not great livings because it's education, but, but, you know, so, so they get allocated from the state, the state gives them money. People are happy because they get money, they get paid, they get to have a life. Uh, so there's just an awful lot of things in the way. So I think it needs someone like Elon Musk who has philanthropy in mind and has a ridiculous amount of money because education is incredibly expensive. Um, it's very people heavy. Like when you look at the budget for a department or a university, like 90% of that budget is humans. <laughs> so, so it's really, really expensive to do education, at least the way that we do it now. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just, there's just an awful lot of stuff in the way. Now, I do want to I want to take a step back. You know, when you talk about learning everything you want from the internet, and I think that's great. And autodidacticism, which is like teaching yourself, is super important. But the place where educators really need to be there 
is not for fact-based things and stuff like that, but to expose people to new ideas and say, mm. yeah, that's really cool. That is one way of looking at this, but we better look at it this way and this way and this way. And to make people uncomfortable and the saddest thing that I've seen in education that's happened over the last 30 years is the fact that students will say, oh, I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm triggered. I can't talk about that. And I'm like, no, this is the place where you have to do that. Right. <laughs> like, it's like you damn well better yeah. do it here because where are you? Where else are you going to do it? This is the purpose. Like the whole point of education is to make you think. You're, you were talking about that. Yeah. You're like you can learn facts anywhere. But the point of education is to like make you think. And if you're not exposed to things that you don't already know, how do you ever think about it? Like, yeah. like, like a foreign language, uh, you know, like if you only ever spoke English in your whole life and never were exposed to any other foreign, there's like all the ways of thinking about it that you imagine and interacting with people in their native language and a humbleness because you realize you suck at this language, you know? So, yeah. so there's like all of these things accrue from learning something like that. Um, yeah, and, but it's painful. It's hard, right? It sucks to learn. Do you it, think? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's good. I'm good. No, I was going to say, do you think there is a? Do you think there's room for AI to transform the classroom yeah. and and be a lot less human reliant? Yes. Uh, okay. I, I, I guess I, it's probably again just because I've been thinking about this stuff a lot recently. But in my mind. A, a digital self-management is actually an excellent model for education. And that is, I think about like a nursery school, like those kids are great. They're, they're kind of self-organized. It's like one kid will be like, oh, I want to paint a picture. And like five of them will like gang up and they'll start painting a picture <laughs> or something, right? That needs to happen at all levels, all the way through. And, you know, not painting a picture necessarily, but right. something else. It could be like, Here's Fermat's last theorem. What the hell? Right, right. How do you solve that? I don't know. Yeah. Let's go do a Laplace transform out. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so, like all of these crazy things that can go all the way from totally rudimentary skills all the way up to really, really complicated mathematical, philosophical, whatever things, but give people the power to learn what they want to learn. I, I think that's the big thing. And then, then, and then have the, the where, where AI comes in is the ability, I hesitate to say grade, but to give them feedback. And to say like, oh, you're going in the right direction. Or I mean, at some point there's a right answer to a lot of these things. So the AI has a relatively simple job of like warmer, colder, kind of like that game. Um, and then eventually, of course, it gets to really complicated stuff where there is no necessary right answer. And still the AI can come in and give you feedback about what it thinks, but then a human teacher can also intervene as well. Um, and that's where domain expertise comes in. Got it. That's that's fascinating. There's there's something you said in there that I really want to like touch on. Like so, you said, uh, you know, it, it can enable people to to uh, AI can enable uh, people to to learn what they want to learn, what what they what they feel like it's most yeah. interesting to them, and right. potentially would be the thing that they could be best at to maximize their true potential. So as yeah. as as an educator, like what percentage of the population do you think is in that bucket truly? Like if you were to take a hundred people, how many many people that are in the school system do you actually think are studying something that's going to allow them to reach their true potential versus learning something because they feel like they have to or because they've been told to do so? Because my, my gut, I went to school because I felt like I had to. 
Like I give myself as an example, and I'm like constantly wondering that question. Like I, I don't know if I don't know if you have a gut feel or something. This so is what, like what did you yeah. like? So what did you major in, and what did you feel about that? Like when you did you graduate? Like I did. Ultimately? Yeah, I went yeah, to okay. Penn State. So, yeah, uh, and I studied. Uh, I have my bachelor of science right. in uh, mathematics and a minor in statistics. So that's what I started in school. But my GPA was dog shit. Sorry, okay. <laughs> it was not good. And the reason why is because at the time I. I did a 2.7, dude. Like I'm like the worst student yeah. on earth. I may have studied yeah. 10 hours in my college career. I mean, and thank right. God that I graduated with 2.7 because you know, what the hell, right. but should have been a zero. But um, <laughs> like for me, and I started as an aerospace engineer. So I went to school as, a, as an aerospace engineer. That was my initial major. <clears throat> and then I decided to switch over to mathematics in my third year because I'm like, wow, aerospace is like, I just can't. Like my brain doesn't play nice with this stuff. I know right. how to do math really well. So let me go over to math. And then math started getting crazy abstract in the third year. I'm like, holy crap, I'm not good at this either. And then I'm <laughs> like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick with it because I don't want people to think I'm a loser. That I'm some guy that keeps changing majors, right? So I forced myself through it. But I hated every second of it, to be completely honest. I really hated so, every second of it. Here's a really weird point of connection between us. So I went to Princeton. I okay. got there as an electrical engineer, switched to physics, because what I really wanted to be was a computer science major, but they didn't have it back when I was going there. It was mm. ancient. Uh, <clears throat> I hated every minute of it. Hated. I was just... I was in classes with people who were just way too freaking smart. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I was just a dumbass trying to like cling on. So my GPA was like three or something like that, you know. Um, Dude, I literally had a teacher come up to me and he was like, he was like, yeah, some people just have it and some don't. And it doesn't seem like right. you don't. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it seems like you don't. I'm like, what the hell, bro? Like, how am I supposed to go home and... <laughs> What am I supposed to do? Change my major? Like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like that, that no, it, no, memory is exactly like burned in my mind. Yeah, they my would just God. come up to me and they'd be like, what are you doing here? You need to just like go do something else. And I was like, oh, I'm trying. Yeah. So, you know, so I, uh, but the really, really bizarre thing, the reason why we're doing this conversation today instead of tomorrow, because you wanted to do tomorrow, is because I'm leaving for my reunions because Princeton has these massive reunions. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> it's 35 years, which is, terrifying how wow college. But, but anyway the worst <laughs> I, I tell people there's two worst days in my life the, the number two worst day there was a number one i won't talk about that but the number two worst day of my life was my graduation from college because i was like i've wasted four years of college everyone's like i had the best experience in college i was like all i did was study i didn't do anything but study and i failed at it and it was just miserable but on the other hand, I now have a physics degree from Princeton. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, the failure, all of that pain and everything taught me so much, not just about what I was learning, but about how to learn about, the, you know, it was still valuable. Like what you're mm. saying is like, yeah, people tell you, you suck. And you're like, well, I'm just going to keep going. There's mm. something to say, like computer programming, which is like one of my favorite and least favorite things to do ever is like, it's just literally banging your head against the wall mm -hmm. until a light, but until a piece falls out and you're like, Oh, that's what I should do. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but, but it's just, it's a, it's a weird little point of connection between the two of us. That's yeah, scary. for sure. Yeah. I just remember, <laughs> I remember, I just, I remember almost never going to class. Like th there were a few classes where I would go the first day. I'd be like, mm. oh man, like I don't want, I just really don't. I would go the second day and I'm like, I hate this. I just hate this. So I literally, I would, you know, I would show up for the tests and I would try to cram the night before, you know, spend an hour or something and then uh, tr to try and get a C. 
because you know I just I just was not interested in it for some I just wasn't you know I was and you know I think that's to your point I think that was a great learning lesson for me because it, it really taught me it taught me how I don't like to learn you know I just and and I think that was a very the older I get, the more I realize how powerful that lesson was because it's almost like it teaches you, it teaches you like, Hey, like, you know, like you really should, if you're going to do something, do it because you want to don't do it because you, you feel like you have to, or you feel like, you know, whatever you're being forced to do so, you know? And so here's education failing two people here because, you know, I worked like a dog and, and felt like a failure. You couldn't get interested in latch on to things. And so you felt like a failure. That's the failure of education because it needs to be, and I know people are like, oh, stop it with this thing. You know, everyone's like, oh, everyone has a different intelligence. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm like, if you're interested in something, you're going to learn it. And and if people had just said, here is this cool information about physics or math or whatever it is. And I remember taking imaginary math. That was the last math class I ever took because I was like, I can't even like wrap my head around this stuff. So anyway, but, but, you know, but if it was just like, here's information and here's something like an AI or a person or whatever, that's just saying like, yeah, that was good. That was a good thing that you did like a micro little moment there, which is why your AI would be fantastic. And then you're like, you kind of educate yourself and you're like, you go at the speed you need to, and you learn what you need to. Instead of like, this is the amount of stuff that we have to, this is the hill we have to climb this semester. And I do this too. It's like, okay, project one, project two, project three, project four, you know, and that's what the hill you have to climb this semester. And if you don't get all the steps, then you get a bad grade. Yeah. Uh, and and it sucks. Yeah. It's, it. yeah. And then, you know, maybe I, when I think back to it, sometimes I'm like, maybe I should have put more effort to find the right thing for me. But it's like, I feel like at the same time, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It, it just, I feel like, I feel like there has to be a way to, to come up with a system that, that can tap into the maximum potential of a person as, as early as humanly possible <laughs> and then put them on a, on a train, basically a fast track to success, essentially. Right. Like, Hey, listen, like, dude, like just follow this path. You're good. And, but I don't right. know how, how unreal, uh, unrealistic that is. Cause maybe humans, maybe our, maybe our interests and things change over time. You know what I'm saying? Right. Maybe we have a thing where maybe at year 12, when we're 12 years old, we're, we're on path to be a great musician but then year 16 you know when we're when we're 16 years old we are you know super interested in rocketry and electric vehicles and like those are two very divergent paths you know what i'm saying so it's that's that's always very interesting to watch that's true but i think the ultimate ultimate really good education would be to be able to do both of those and and Mm. what i mean is something to figure out how to, I mean, just, just again, to use myself as an example, finished, got a physics degree, said, screw this. I want to do English. And so I got a freaking PhD in English, (laughs) had a much, much better time. That was awesome. I was like, this is great. And then I went to uh, school again, more recently and got a master's in artificial intelligence. And, and so it's like, and yeah, all those, Oh, that's all you've done. (laughs) <laughs> but but no, but what I'm saying is they can all fit together and it doesn't have to be I formal see. education either. But yeah, if yeah. you want to be uh if you want to be a musician and you have interest in rocketry, well what the hell? Maybe Do the way that sonic like the way that sound works off of rockets and things like that, you can engineer things to I'm just 
spitball yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or just compose freaking music out of rocketry <laughs> like maybe the way the rocket like jiggles or something yeah. as it takes off creates a really cool harmonic vibration and so you're like creating music from rocket you know launches so yeah i mean I'm how, how is that any different than like you know how ferrari like tunes their uh their exhausts yeah. to have like you yeah. know be harmonics like why why could like 20 years down the road why when we have a souped up starship with like sick <laughs> harmonics coming you know it sounds like a ferrari going to the freaking mars you know <laughs> It's got it's got racing stripes painted down. Hell yeah, the side. dude! Like, put some rims. Just put rims on the side. <laughs> just we got, we got spinners. Hell yeah, dude! Hell. Let me awesome. let me ask you this because you are you are a musical person and and your son right. is also a musical person. You know, and I and I love music and I've been I play guitar and and played clarinet and play piano. Like I I just I've been very fortunate being exposed to that. Do you think? I always intuitively thought that uh, music helps me think and problem solve better somehow. I don't know how, but like my gut tells me that having been exposed to music and that being part of who I am has helped right. me in other parts of life that I can't describe how, but I feel like it has. I don't know if it's like a, it's it's a difficult thing sometimes. So you got to sit down and just freaking figure out how to play this riff or figure out how to, you know, how to solo over a certain thing and, you know, kind of get some music theory in your brain to to understand the pentatonic scale and all that stuff, right? So right. Um, how do you think about that at all? Do you think there is a role for more music education? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And this is one of the, again, it's that sort of class-based system. It's like STEM at the top, this other stuff at the bottom. And it's like, why? Uh, I... I would contend that a lot of people who are trained in music or art or something could contribute very, very highly to society. And not just by painting paintings and stuff, but but by, you know, but by being in a company like SpaceX or Tesla. There's there, there are roles for people who are like that. Um, <clears throat> but uh geez. So I think that that. I find music to be something that, again, is both hard and incredibly pleasurable, right? Because it's like, it, it just turned out like I did a lot of instruments and I wasn't particularly good, but I was always a really good singer. And so I've been singing since I was just a little kid um, mm. in fairly, you know, formal situations. And now I sing in the, the UGA court, uh, choir, nice. which is really, really nice. Um <clears throat> You can't tell right now because I've been talking all day and my voice is hoarse. But I was going to ask anyway, you before we so, end, maybe sing us a song. <laughs> oh, no, not today. Not, I, I've also learned that I'm not a soloist. Okay, <laughs> so, gotcha, gotcha. Good in the choir. I'm like, you know, it's like it's like the difference between a violinist who is really good at like the solo stuff and somebody yeah. who deserves to be in a section with like eight or 10 other. Violins. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a I'm virtuoso really versus like a second <laughs> violinist. Yeah. I'm yeah. really good in the chorus. Yeah. So that's where I should be. Gotcha. Uh, <clears throat> But anyway, it's um, it's it's pretty, it's pretty amazing stuff. What what were like? Sorry, we were circling back on. You were talking music about music education. And, yeah, if it has yeah, a role, uh, yeah, and and if they, if it's a if it's something that somehow either passively or directly helps you with other parts of your life, oh, like for example, yeah, like yeah, problem yeah, okay. solving things so, like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so first of all, I I'm a, a huge like I love to listen to music when I'm working, so. Um, Oftentimes for me, at least it's like classical music or something that doesn't have a lot of vocals in English because that does get distracting for me. But I know a lot of other people like music with words that they listen to. So I, I, I think that goes to like being, having attention deficit disorder. And, and somebody described it the best way I heard about it is like you have a gigantic information pipe 
that's always taking stuff in. And the music for me fills up part of that pipe. And so it allows me to focus easier on the thing that I want. Mm. Um, but I think beyond that, the, the, we're, we're creatures, like we're physical creatures and playing music is a physical activity, like whatever it is, whether playing guitar, singing, playing the piano, it's very, very physical. I mean, you can, you know, you can get winded by the time you're done. You're like, yeah. oh crap, you know, I was jamming on that thing. And so there's a real limbic pleasure. Our, our limbic systems get a huge amount of pleasure out of that. And so I, I would hesitate, I, even if you love to code or something like that, I think that most people probably do something else besides code all day because yeah. there's just, you know, your body and your soul need other things. So yeah. Uh, so I think music fulfills that. And it yeah. can be a career, of course, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it just I find so much pleasure in in music personally, and um, like the physical nature of it is is a I've never thought about that before, but it makes so much sense. Like I play my guitar on my live streams at the end, just to you know kind of thank right. all the people for coming on. I'm sweating yeah. by the end of it. I'm legitimately yeah. sweating, and I feel good. I got endorphins running through my freaking. Vein. I mean, it's I feel great. I feel yeah. so good. And the type of music yeah. I love is metal. So it's like physical. I mean, I got to freaking, I got to put my wrist into it. You know what I'm saying? Like I got yeah, yeah, to make certain yeah. sounds come out. Yeah, so it's, the left hand too. So yeah. hell yeah, hell yeah, man. It, it's, it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, listen, I know you've had a very full uh, schedule, so I, I, I definitely don't want us to go too, too long. And I know your, 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 um, your, uh, voices also like, are you, I know you, I got a full day ahead of you tomorrow as well. So, but I definitely want you want to have you back for more because yeah, I, I think yeah. these conversations are great. Um, and, uh, I would love to invite you back at some point as well. You know, whenever you want, you're always welcome. Um, there is a, definitely a, a we can question. We flip it, of course, too. You're, oh, you're I would to love that. Yeah. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let me, let me ask you one last question before we wrap sure. up, uh, because sure. I, I really do value your insight. Uh, I think, I think for the, I would love to pick your brain more on the education stuff too, in a future date, because I, right. I really have a lot of thoughts about that. And the fact that you are part of that is, uh, is right. fascinating to me. And I, and I, and I just really want to learn more about that. But, um, this is just a philosophical question that I tend sure. to sometimes uh, f finish my podcast with, but what do you think? is humanity's, uh, humanity's purpose? I guess this will reveal a lot of how I think about things, but I think our purpose is, is to make what we want to out of it, out of ourselves. I, I think that I'm not a person who believes that we have a priori purpose. I guess that would be, you know, I'll make my parents very unhappy by saying that, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I think that it's important that we create our own meaning. Like, again, it's like, what do you want out of life? We'll chase that. I, I, I have four boys, so wow. <laughs> it's been a thing, man, but you know, but all of them, it's like, it's like what, like, you know, the musician, like, you know, it's like, he struggled in school always. And I felt so bad for him. I was like, Oh gosh, I wish we had a better education system. One of the wake up moments, right. To, to realize when you see your child struggling and like realize how the education system is failing him, but it's like, what is it that you, what are you passionate about? What is the thing you were talking about that with education? You're like, if you change paths, but, but like, what is it that you want? Um, and sure, at the moment, it might be to go to sleep or something like that. But, you know, what is it, the thing that's like a through line? And so, you know, my one son, he's like, I love music. I love to do this stuff. It's like, okay, how can I support you? How can you add value to the world by doing this? And again, it's not like you have to make a widget or something like that. Value is 
there's so many ways of adding value to the world. But I guess that would be the meaning of life is to add to add more than you take. <laughs> to give more it. than you take would be would be a, a good life to live. I love it. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and, and the fact or boys, bro. Dang. I know. <laughs> My God. What was that household like? 27 to 14. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. No, that's beautiful. I mean, I think I think I always find the the answer very interesting, especially from like people that have kids, like parents. Uh, you know, it's I feel like the, yeah, there's always like the, the, the child variable is also there, which I think gives a lot of uh, a lot of complexity to the answer as well. And it's right. always fascinating comparing that with folks that don't have children, like my wife and I don't have children. And I think about life in a specific way, what, what it means to serve a purpose. But like, um, I think your answer is super fascinating and one that I think a lot of us could could definitely learn from because if ultimately if we're all able to bring value to life for right. ourselves and each other, like how could not how is that not a better world for all of us? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how is that not I a mean, better world? I mean, that's the thing. It's like you should leave the world a better place than you found it. I guess. Yeah, I love <laughs> like, it. It's a basic idea when you go hiking in the woods. Don't yeah. like, just leave your crap everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And try to be try to be a good steward. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, one last thing. So, do you go to the U no. UGA games at all? Like, do you check out the football oh, yeah. games? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you think they're going to be this year? Because they, it's the quarterback's coming back, or is he? He's a sophomore, right? Or no, he's a junior. Uh oh, gosh, there were I two. Forget. So I'm trying to remember. One graduated. Um, yeah, because the, the one was a walk-on, right? Yeah, he's the one who yeah. won the championship, and like right. they had him starting. Um, my one buddy, he's uh, his name's Keith, and he just moved back to Georgia. They live about uh, like 40 minutes north of Atlanta, and. Um, oh, cool. He's a big uh, dogs fan. And uh, I remember I was texting with him when they were playing in the national championship. And like the first half, he was so upset because it's here we go again. Like, here we go again. It doesn't matter. You know, we'll lose to freaking uh, Bama in the in the SEC championship. And it's again, like, who cares? Like, this is what happens every year. And then the right. second half, he was losing his mind because the, 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 right. the, the team like did a 180 and they just came out right. firing on all cylinders and they were finally able oh, to score great. some points. I, yeah. I, um, <clears throat> the Georgia I, curse. It was great. <laughs> I had, I had the, I had the exact same emotional. It was, it was, especially after the sec game and having lost that one too. I was yeah. like, ah, oh. but it was, it was due. I, I, I have a feeling I, man, I'll tell you my gut. I have no information for this because I don't follow the team closely enough to know. Okay. I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a building year because they lost an awful lot of like standouts to yeah. graduation. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting them to win the national championship again. I certainly expect them to make a bowl game, but uh, yeah. maybe like eight and three, nine and two. I'm probably okay. going to get... Sorry for all the fans. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> I mean, I think if there's anything that Georgia, I think does really well is that they, they have elite talent coming in every year. You know, like if there's oh, a, yeah. if it's, yeah, they're yeah. one of those teams that like, they, they not so much rebuild or reload, but it's more like a experience thing for them. Right. Um, but oh, the fact, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Like the recruiting is incredible for you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Killer. And, and the SEC is like the toughest freaking football championship. Yeah. I'm hoping, oh, wow, I'm hoping yeah. we can play you guys in one of these bowls. I went to Penn State. I follow Penn State football very closely. Yeah. So it's like, ah, there you, um, go. you know, I follow the, the, the recruits and I see who goes out to the NFL and I, well, I did you know. graduate school at Ohio state. So, you know, Ooh, okay. I like, Ohio I, know, state. No, sorry. I like them better than really Michigan. Good, <laughs> I have a really good friend who's a Michigan, who's a Michigan grad. And he's yeah. always like, 
<laughs> yeah, I think Tom Nash. I've had him on my channel a couple of times. He's. I think he went to Michigan, and I and I haven't yeah. made any comments about him going to Michigan. But I think next right. time I talk to him, I'm gonna oh, give him some gosh. shit. Oh gosh, if I ever talk to Tom, I'll have to make sure I don't mention Ohio State. Oh yeah, <laughs> otherwise that's, he'll crawl through the screen and grab. Just me. say that's cool up north, bro. <laughs> that's cool up north. Listen, John, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate Absolutely. you. Uh, thank Absolutely. you so much for coming on. Blast right. talking to you, man. Like I said, welcome back anytime. I would love to continue uh, digging deeper in the education yeah, stuff and obviously the AI stuff as well. But yeah, man, thank you so much. Uh, safe travels out to Princeton. Thank Enjoy you. your week and your weekend. And yeah, yeah. man, uh, great talking to you and hopefully uh, we'll speak soon again. It was my pleasure. Thank you.